I promise you I'm not texting today. I'm on my phone. I, I got here to the church and I looked for my iPad. I left it on my couch. So I, I'm going to have to do something I, I've never done before. Preach from the notes on my phone. <laughs> so uh, it, it went all right first service, but, uh, but it's going to be okay. Today, I want to start a series entitled Doing It Wrong. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done it wrong before? Anything wrong? You ever had somebody stand over you and say, you're doing it wrong? Don't do it this way or don't do it. Listen, if you've ever done anything in your life, you've probably heard somebody tell you you're doing it wrong. I I told them in the early service, I remember being a kid and watching an old movie called uh, uh, Mr. Mom. And uh, the guy was taking his kids to school for the first time. He had never taken them to school before in the pouring down rain trying to get them there. And the kids were saying, Dad, you're doing it wrong. You're going the wrong direction. He said, I know what I'm doing. I'm just taking you to school. And sure enough, here comes a lady with an umbrella and says, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I know that I have done it wrong many, many times in my life. I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of faults, a lot of failures on my, my part. I know and I've experienced it. Uh, but I also know this, that God is a loving God who is patient. And is growing us. Amen. Uh, I want to challenge you today uh, that from this standpoint, really over the next several weeks, the disciples, anytime you open the word of God and you read through the gospels, you're going to look in there and you're going to see the disciples. And what I love about God and the Holy Spirit and putting the word of God together is that he puts the word together for us to see the humanity of the disciples. These guys who are going to turn the world upside down for Jesus, these guys who today, their writings and their lives are still changing lives on this earth. These people, they they were imperfect. And sometimes they did it wrong. Sometimes they had the wrong understanding. Sometimes they had the wrong mindset. Sometimes they wanted to do it their way, like Frank Sinatra, and they just did it wrong. And folks, I want us to glean some things from this because I don't know about you, but I've done it wrong multiple times in my life. There have been times where I thought I was right and I would argue with you till I was blue in the face thinking I was right only to find out later I needed to apologize to somebody because, well, I was wrong. It's okay. We're in a, we're in a process of development and growth and, and God transforming our lives. And, and uh, Have you ever heard the saying before where somebody says, you have to learn from the mistakes of others because you will not live long enough to make every mistake? Right? So we have to look at the lives of others to learn from their mistakes. And, and so I'm grateful that God put the humanity of the disciples in the Word. I am so grateful that those shortcomings and those moments are there because I can identify with it. Because I've done it wrong. Sometimes I've done it wrong a lot. And I'm grateful to see that these men who did it wrong sometimes and had the wrong mindset sometimes were transformed by the power of Christ and did great things for God. Amen? If that's true about them, then it's true about you and me. It's true about us. So I want to start this series on you're doing it wrong. And today I want to focus on the fact that the disciples struggled with their image. They, just, they struggled with their image. They struggled to find out who they are. They struggled. Anytime God comes into our lives and revolutionizes our lives, He's going to mess us up. And He's going to take us from the old life. He's going to make us a new creation in Christ. Amen? But that internal kingdom that's established, that new empire of grace, of Christ on the throne of our hearts, that work that's done inside of us, now must shine forth through our lives. And that's where things get a little sticky. 
Because even though Christ is the Lord of my life or, or the Savior of my soul, it takes a while for Him to be evident of being Lord of my life. Leading and guiding my thoughts, my decisions, my actions, my words, so on and so forth. But the image of Christ in me needs to come through me. And the disciples had this process of finding out who they are in Christ. So the first thing I want to talk about is the disciples struggled with competition. They struggled with competition. Look at Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 38. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Whenever we think we have the corner market on the power of God or on the things of God, we're doing it wrong. Whenever we think that we're the only ones and we're the only ones that get it and we're the only ones that understand the full grace of God, we're the only ones that can grasp and understand the Scriptures, we're the only ones that really get God's plan, us, us, we, us, then what happens is, is we're doing it wrong because then we assume that nobody else gets it like we do. See, the disciples struggled with this. They didn't like the fact that the guy down the street was casting out devils like they were. And their mindset became worldly for a moment and said, wait a second, this is our thing. This, I, I, we got this, we, we sent this off to the government and got it copywritten. This is what we do. We're the ones that cast out devils. We're the ones that do signs and wonders. Who do you think you are doing that? And Jesus told them, he said, look, they're not against us, they're for us. You see, the worldly mindset of their image defending themselves versus the kingdom mindset of Christ saying the same thing that Moses said when people received the Spirit of God upon them to lead. And Moses, they, they come to Moses and they said, hey, look, so-and-so, these two guys were in the camp and they began to prophesy, but they didn't come to the tent of meeting to receive the Spirit that the others did. And he says, Joshua, it's my desire that all men would prophesy. See, Jesus knew this is his desire that everybody could grasp his ministry and have the confidence and the anointing to go out and do that work by themselves. I don't know who this guy was, but wow, he was more advanced than the disciples at this point. That's powerful. But it frustrated them. You say, what's the point? My point is this. If you're going to be a child of God, you're going to be a follower of Christ, you cannot be competitive with the church down the street. Come on, say amen, because it deserves it. If, if, listen, there are people getting saved in the churches down the street, just like here. The power of God's moving in people's lives, and lives are being transformed down here at the Church of Christ, the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, uh, Maranatha, Orchard Hills, others outside of the city's limits. Folks, listen, people are being transformed. It's not us against them. Now, I can't sit here and say that everybody in the other churches have the right attitude about us. And I can't say that everybody in my church, our church here, has got the right attitude about everybody else. But I can tell you, because I'm your pastor, that you should never have a negative, bad attitude of competition if God does something down the street. Amen? Amen? That's just the way it is. Because it's a kingdom mindset of what God wants to do. It's not us against them. We're in this thing together. 
I can't guarantee you that all, they'll all have the right attitude about us. But I can guarantee you that we're going to challenge people to have the right attitude about one another. You see, this competition thing, I've seen it for too many years. This church versus that church, this church versus, versus that church. And I read to our, 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 uh, uh, um, our body on, uh, at our annual business meeting in January, uh, a prophetic word that was given to our church in 2001. Many of you had not heard it before and had not discussed it in a long time. We talked about it, we read it, discussed it. And, uh, and the reality of it is, is this. I've asked people this over the last 13 years. What if God did everything that was in that prophetic word at the Baptist church? How would you feel? Right now, there's a little conflict inside of you because we want it here, God. You gave us the promise, God. Listen, that prophetic word, that promise, if you look at it closely, it's just simply a New Testament church. Promises of of, of people being saved, promises of signs and wonders, promises of the word going forward. Folks, that's just, listen, every church, anybody that calls upon the name of Christ has received that promise. So who are we to say, Lord, that can't happen over there. That's them. But but God, what about us? We can't let that happen. This is us. That's them. No, this is us together. So there have been times in my life where I've done it wrong. There have been times where I've had an attitude about this church or that church or that church supports this and this church does this and this church worships this way and this church preaches this way. And folks, we've got to stop that. Churches are like flavors of ice cream. If you don't find the one you like, find one you like and stay there and quit telling everybody else what to like. As long as we're serving Jesus. Amen? Isn't this good? This is so good already. Already. That's just point one, y'all. That's just point one. Don't be competitive. Amen? I'll tell you this about competition. uh, I believe it was Paul. I could be wrong. Paul said this. uh, I think it was Paul. I could be wrong. Said this. That where there is envy, where there's bitter envy and strife, you're going to find wickedness, all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of evil. And so God does not want us to have bitter envy against our brothers and sisters and churches and denominations or have strife and competition because you're going to find all levels of wickedness in those who are striving. Look in 1 Corinthians and you see the passages that talks about those who are striving back and forth. Some follow Paul, others follow Apollos, some follow Cephas, some say I follow Christ myself. And what you see is striving against whose leaders we follow. And when that strife was there, by the time you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you see the depth of, of the sin when it begins to address sexual immorality like has never been seen in the church before. But you know what? He didn't start with that. He started with their striving for four chapters. Four chapters. It started with the strife. So we have to make sure that we're not competition driven. Uh, Love your church, amen? Love your pastor, amen? In your heart, think that you've got the greatest church in Covington and you love it and you love your pastor, that's great. But don't go down and tell somebody else, say our church is better and our pastor is better. Just know it yourself, okay? (laughs) Secondly, If you flip over to Mark chapter 10, the disciples struggled with self-promotion. Now, competition is an image issue. Wanting to be better than someone else, amen? Wanting to think I'm greater than. And then secondly, self-promotion is an image issue. 
You ever met somebody that's so insecure, they always got to project themselves like they're the greatest person in the room? Some would say, that's not insecurity, Pastor. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Not being secure enough in who you are to accept who you are, but trying to come in and act like somebody else and always promoting yourself. Oh, I ought to take you to preacher functions with me someday. I ought to take you to preacher functions. I wish I could slip the whole church in and say, now just watch. I won't go there. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Isn't that nice? Hey, Jesus, just do for me whatever I ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. When we use Jesus... When we use religion, when we use church structures to promote ourselves rather than promoting Christ, we're doing it wrong. When we are in pursuit of exalting ourselves rather than exalting the name of Jesus, we are doing it wrong. These disciples did this, these two, and then the others heard that they did it and they got mad because those two jumped the gun to get what they wanted. Folks, when we are promoting ourselves, we're going to do damage to the gospel. Jesus said, look, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve others. I didn't come here to be in competition with my brothers. I didn't come in here to to exalt myself. I came to humble myself so that God would exalt me and give me the name that's above every name. A name that every knee and every tongue, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. It was done because of His humility and servitude, not because He rode in on some white stallion. Lowly. Riding on a donkey. A colt. Amen? These things... We have to grasp and understand who God is. This is something that we must live. This is something that we must understand. And we must know and understand what it means to be at the right or at the left of Jesus. In glory, they only thought about... Listen to this, folks. This is powerful. They only wanted to be at the right of of Him and the left of Him in glory. This, What is glory? That's the place where there is no more pain, there's no more sin, there's no more hurting. It's a place of power. It's a place of authority. And Jesus questioned them and said, Are you willing to drink the cup I'm going to drink? And then He said, Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Let's just stop there for a second. What is the cup? The cup is the exact same cup that Jesus questioned Peter when Peter cut somebody's ear off when the guard was coming to take him. And he stopped and he looked at Peter and he said, the cup my father has for me, do you not want me to drink it? The cup of suffering. The cup of persecution. 
And then he said, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We, we often think about water. We think about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they've received water baptism, so he wasn't talking about that. And the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, possibly that's part of it. But what is it that baptism represents to begin with? The death, burial, and resurrection. The martyrdom of Jesus. The laying down of His life for His friends. Are you willing to go there? They said, yes, Lord. He said, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't, it will happen. You will drink the cup and you will be baptized what I'm being baptized with. You're going to suffer and die. But those appointments for authority are from the Father. It's something that's pre-apportioned, pre-planned, and not necessarily for me to say about today with you. Listen, the only way to get to levels of authority in heaven is not by asking Jesus to promote you or try to promote yourself through public relations or anything else. It's to lay your life down for the gospel and it's to be the willingness to drink the cup of suffering that Jesus drank. You want authority in the kingdom of heaven? Heaven, then, then lay your life down for Jesus. I'm not talking about some weird self-imposed martyrdom. I'm talking about the willingness to die for my faith if need be. But no, we live in a culture that nobody wants to die to their flesh. They want to promote themselves. They want to see the church and in uh, the church uh, opportunities, the ministry opportunities through the church who want to promote themselves, who want to get into big places, high places. And they want to compete and they want to self-promote. And folks, as children of God, that's not something that we're called to do. If we're doing it that way, we're doing it wrong. Thirdly, the disciples struggled with being easily offended. They struggled with being easily offended. In Luke chapter 9, if you want to turn over to Luke chapter 9, you can. Beginning in verse 51. <clears throat> I love to hear pages rattle. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching from my phone. I got my notes on my phone. But I read my Bible. You know what I'm saying? I gotta have paper in my hands. I gotta have something that I can I can mark up and write in and and I can flip back and find. Just a little plug. Bring your Bible to church. It's good to mark up the pages and remember. Luke chapter nine, verse fifty one. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria, into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people were there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. Other versions will say, uh, you, you do not know what spirit you are of. Folks, listen, this, this whole thing right here is is the Samaritans were not liked. The disciples were men of competition and men of self-promotion at this point. They still didn't fully get it. And they have exalted themselves religiously into a self-righteous position that was common with their culture to despise and dislike the Samaritan people. So as soon as the Samaritan people did something they didn't like, They said, Lord, can we call down fire from heaven on them? You ever been there before? Yes. Usually most of you are driving when you're there. (laughs) Lord! If uh, I was in Indianapolis, uh, April and I were headed back from somewhere yesterday, and we were driving around the north side of Indianapolis. And folks, listen, 
465 has got a 55 mile an hour speed limit. You know that? I know that nobody knows that. I was running. I was, now forgive me, I just try not to get kilt. I was running a nice steady pace, 68 miles an hour, okay? And I was. The cars all around me were going the same, same speed. We'll talk about this with comparisons in a minute. Do you realize that there were people who flew past me had to be going 95 to 100 miles an hour? Not just one. There were like six. I'm driving, I told April, so I'm driving 68 miles an hour. And these cars are like, shoot, shoot, shoot. And they're weaving in and out. I had a word for them. It begins, it begins with an I. I'm not going to say what it was, but it begins with an I. And April, you know what she said? Well, you need to slow down. These guys are going to get nailed before me. Call down fire from heaven. Listen, if we're, if we're the kind of people that are easily offended and, and we don't love people and, and we want to constantly retaliate, defend ourselves, get angry, you're doing it wrong. The, the, the people of God, the house of God, the children of God, Jesus gives us all kinds of directives that I don't have time to go into today about turning the other cheek, about going an extra mile with somebody. If they need something, if they steal this, then give them this. Folks, there is nothing in the word where the Lord says, okay, now it's okay to be offended and to retaliate. He went away as a sheep led to the slaughter. He didn't speak an accusation. He didn't open his mouth against them. Folks, you know what the problem with us here in America, with our Christianity is? Is we feel like it's okay just to open our mouth. Listen, we open our mouths too often. And sometimes we use our fingers to do it. Or our thumbs. Keep your mouth shut. Amen? We act like our image is so important and who we are is so important that nobody can disagree with us and nobody can have a different opinion than us. And when somebody does disagree with us, we're ready to call down fire from heaven. God didn't call you, child of God, to be a delivery man or woman of fire. He called you to be a delivery man or woman of grace, of mercy, of compassion, of the power of Christ to build up, not to destroy. If we're... listen. If you're a person who feels called into ministry or wants to ministry in some capacity, I've got to tell you now, if you are easily offended, you're either A, going to have to get past that, or B, not going to the ministry. Because if, if you can't get past being easily offended when people have an opinion, idea, thought, or whatever, you are not going to make it. You're going to have to love some people where they're at. Listen, people, are, we live, we have been injected into a fallen culture who is not going to agree with you, who is not going to understand you. They'll fight you tooth and nail, but child of God, fight battles that are worth fighting and let the others go and leave them up to God. Amen? We must not be people who are reactive to our emotions and feelings. Why? Because it's connected to our image. This competitive nature, uh, this this self-promoting nature, this offended nature. What is that? It's because self has become so important that it's offended all the time. Is that true about our culture? Dear Lord, you can't do anything without offending somebody today. Well, I feel like I'd like like to have ketchup on my cheeseburger. You what? Ketchup. Do you realize what ketchup is? It's mostly corn syrup and it's all going to... I mean, it's like, whoa, easy, bro. I just like the taste of it, man. I mean, everything. I'm shocked that I didn't get a whole bunch of... When I put a thing, I bought a bunch of cracklings. 
on Amazon because when fat guys on a diet and you can't eat tater chips, you got to get cracklins. And cracklins are different than pork rinds. And if you don't know that, then you have not lived. And you can't find good cracklins around here. And I got cracklins so that I can have a snack occasionally. And, and I just waited for somebody to say, you realize that's killing animals? Listen, don't call me and tell me I don't like animals are great. They taste, they taste wonderful. We got to stop being offended. You cannot minister to people adequately when you're offended at them all the time. How are you going to love somebody who hurting people hurt? And when they lash at you, how are you ever going to show your love to them if you're in constant reactive defense mode? Sheep bite. And it hurts. But if you love them, it doesn't hurt so bad. And you just meet needs. Amen? Fourthly, the disciples struggled with comparison. John 21, if you want to turn there, you can. John chapter 21. I'm going to preach from my phone all the time. It just seems more spiritual today. (laughs) John 21. The disciples struggled with comparison. They struggled with comparison. They struggled with competition. They struggled with self-promotion. They struggled with offense. And they struggled with comparison. Look at verse 18 of John 21. Jesus, speaking to Peter, says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. But Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had been leaned back against Jesus at the supper. And he said, Lord, who is going to betray you? That's John, in other words. When Peter said, saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Comparisons. Listen, if we find ourselves frustrated often because we are comparing ourselves to others and worried about this one getting ahead or that one getting ahead or it seems like this one's doing so much better. God's gifted them above me and it seems like the plan that the Lord has laid out for them is so much better than mine and mine's a struggle and mine's this and that. If you have that mentality, I want to lovingly tell you, you are doing it wrong. We are not called to compare ourselves to others. It's an image thing. It's trying to get ahead. It's trying to challenge myself, challenge where I am and justify myself where they are or, 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 or beat myself up by where they are. Listen, folks, if I have seen comparisons with people leave people in deep, deep darkness, you say, how? Why do you say that? Because you're always going to find somebody worse than you. Well, at least I'm not like that person. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. You say, how is that, Pastor? Because the Pharisees, Jesus tells a story about a Pharisee that stood pray, praying before the Lord. And he said, Lord, I thank you for who I am. I'm such a good guy. I pray, I fast, I do all these wonderful things. I thank you, Lord, that I am not like this wretched sinner over here. This, this tax collector that's crying out to you. I'm glad I'm not like him. And Jesus said that man knelt before the Lord and beat his chest. And said, woe is me. For I am a sinner. And and the Lord says, and which one of those two went away justified? Folks, I can tell you this. 
The last thing our culture needs is, is another Pharisee that's comparing itself to everybody else and is building himself up based off of the faults and shortcomings and failures of others. Because it is not the others and it's not their shortcomings or their faults or their failures that we're going to be judged by. It's going to be the Word of God. Amen? And we cannot stand and, and minimize ourselves and see so many that are doing better. God's done this. Listen, God has called you. This is the greatest word right here that He gives to Peter. He said, what does that matter to you? You follow me. You follow me. What difference does it make, Peter? Peter didn't like the fact that the Lord said, my plan for you, Peter, is, is that you're going you're to suffer and be martyred for your faith. You, me? He says, follow me. And Peter's following going, well, that just doesn't seem quite fair, Lord. Why would... So then it jumps in his head, but John, John, my... Everything's good for John. He's the one that loves him. He's the one that leans by him, sits by him when we eat. John, 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 John. What about him, Lord? Is he going to die for his faith too? Is he going to have to struggle? And Jesus looks at him and says, what is that to you? What if all Christians could live the what is that to you life? How many of you like it when people stick their nose in your business? And you want to say, what is that to you? It has nothing to do with you. Folks, Christians need to quit putting their nose in everybody else's business and follow Jesus. Do you know that he's got a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives that's different and unique? Some people will pastor mega churches and other people will not pastor at all. And they're all still called. And we all have to accept the path that we're on. Amen? Some people may be in a corporation making millions of dollars. And other people may be doing a much more important job of taking care of children at home. It doesn't matter, folks. What you are called to, that's where you're called. And what God is leading you in, we need to accept the journey and the path that He's put us on. Quit comparing ourselves with everybody else. And allow ourselves to be used right where we are. Leave the results up to God and we're going to see some cool things in our lives. We cannot get caught up in comparisons. Competition, self-exaltation, easily offended in comparisons. You know what all these things point to? Is a feeding of the flesh of selfishness. Selfish people are offended all the time. Self-exalted people are offended all the time. Competitive people are offended all the time. You say, Pat, I, don't, I get the other two, but competitive people are offended? Have you ever been to a ball game and the call doesn't go your way? Just thought I'd throw that out there. If we're living that way, we're doing it wrong. Now, all this can be summed up like this in closing this morning. The, uh, some of you are really excited. It's going to take me a few minutes to get there, so just relax. <laughs> if you don't like it, there's some churches down the street. We'd love to have it. <laughs> right now, our board member is saying, we need to have a special meeting today, Pastor. <laughs> best part about preaching from my phone is getting text messages. It's the best. Healing for image. Healing for image is found in the truth of the mirror and the mystery of the coin. The truth of the mirror and the mystery of the coin. Turn over to James chapter 1. You say, what's the answer for mankind in this situation in dealing with our image, in dealing with these things? 
James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. April loves to shop. and And I like to watch people. And we're shopping, she's saying, what do you think, this looks nice? I'm like, yep, that looks nice. <laughs> How many of you are people watchers? I love to watch people. People are nuts. <laughs> people crazy, man. I, I love to watch people because invariably at some point you're going to come into contact with somebody that you're going to look at them and think, so you got up this morning and you looked at yourself in the mirror and you chose those clothes and you chose that hairstyle to come out in public. That sounds really judgmental, doesn't it? I'm guilty. But when you're shopping and you're bored, sometimes you're just like, oh dear Lord. In a spiritual sense, the Word of God is calling us to look at ourselves. It is referred to as a mirror. Now, when I taught this when I was a youth pastor, I would like put mustard across my face and I would just teach like it wasn't there. Because the point is this, too many Christians will show up at church on a Sunday and see themselves in a mirror and then they'll go away and they don't change anything. They don't fix the issue that the Lord points out. They're not willing. And listen, I got to tell you this. Child of God, as your pastor, I love you, but when you are not willing to deal with an obvious situation of sin in your life, and you go out into public and continue that sin, lost people are watching you, and they're saying, hmm, they really think that they're going to do this. The answer to our image situation is that we must allow the Word of God to show us who we are. Both in our sin and in our ownership. We must allow the Word of God to teach us and show us the things that we have to deal with. God is patient. And He was patient with the disciples, with their selfish things. And Jesus always addressed them. Listen, child of God, He is addressing you in your image issues. And He expects you to change. He expects you to clean the mustard off your face. The second half of this, the first half is is the truth of the mirror. The mirror doesn't lie. Amen? The Word of God is not going to lie to you. The second thing is, is, is the mystery of the coin. Oh no. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 22, you're going to see a passage that is is spoken of three different times in the Gospels. And how many of us know that in three different times, you're going to see the power of Christ. If, if, If Christ says something three different times, then you know that it's important. Amen? If the Lord says something three different times, then it's going to be something that's applicable to us. Amen? So if we look at Matthew 22... It says, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, as they buttered him up. 
We know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and asked him, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then, they, then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. You say, what is this, the mystery of the coin? The message of what's in the coin here, folks, is the message is, is look, Jesus, this coin here, it, should we pay this to taxes? And Jesus said, whose image and inscription is on it? Well, he said, well, that's Caesar's. He said, well, then if Caesar's the creator of that coin, if Caesar is the distributor of that coin, if Caesar is the one who has put value in that coin, then you need to use that coin to do what Caesar has asked. Right? But he points out the greater issue here. Give unto God what is God's. The image of Christ. Do something. If we are to look at the truth of the mirror, we are expected to do something afterwards. We can't just hear it. We've got to do it. We've got to go away and remember it and apply it. What is the mystery of the coin? The mystery of the coin is this, that we must understand that we are created by a value Uh, We have had value put on us by our Creator. We cannot increase our value. We cannot decrease our value. Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the highest possible price He could pay for you and I because we are valuable to Him. We are created in the image of God. God has put His image in us. When we look in the Scripture, we not only see who we are in our fallen state, we see who we are in our created state by a created God and what He has called us to, what He has empowered us to do, and what He has lifted us up to do. And this understanding is is that there is value in our lives. He has an inscription upon us. We are a new creation in Christ. And the Scripture says that He has inscribed us with a seal. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Prepared deposit for things to come. We are not our own, the scripture says. We do not live for ourselves. We are slaves to God. We have value in Him. We don't need to go out and compare ourselves for value. We are not so valuable that we need to be offended by people because our value rests in Him. We do not need to go out and compete for value because we are valuable in Christ the way that He designed us, the way that we made us. And so He says, You are usable, you are valuable. Go do something in that power and in that authority. That's the understanding. Child of God, when we understand who we are with the mirror of the Scripture, we see the truth, we believe it, we apply it, and then we go allow ourselves to be spent for the Gospel. Then people will see Christ. Because here's what mirrors do. You ready? Mirrors... Reflect our image. But our image is supposed to reflect Christ. We have been stamped by Him. We have been created by Him. We have been made new, a new creation by Him. Don't let yourself be deceived to think it's okay to continue in Christ with a worldly mindset. If you do, 
you'll be doing it wrong. Amen. Amen.